You ever feel like USB thumb drives are kind of like cockroaches? They just sort of accumulate and hang around and never go away <laughs> and they are unkillable. I have I have a drawer in my desk that's just full of a bunch of I don't want to say useless because they're not exactly useless, but they're mostly useless. They're like two gigabyte to eight gigabyte. Like they're not big enough to put a Windows installer on. They're not big enough to put like Steam OS on or Steam like any like you can't use them for anything. Your, your Ubuntu maintenance stick. No, it doesn't. It's too small for that. It's too like even when yeah. they're big enough. I find I find the, that form of cheapo and and granted in being the games press, I ended up with so many no ma- no name USB sticks. Mm hmm. They're just too unreliable. Those little ones with the spinning yes, metal thing. The those are the ones you always get. The yeah. ones with the little hinge. Those things corrupt constantly. Like I, I bet like half of the ones I've gotten over the years went actual bad. Like, oh man. like would not read anymore. Uh, don't put anything useful on those USB sticks. Okay. So I've got like true, true talking. The one that Microsoft gave me for either the Windows 7 or the Windows 8 launch is blue instead of black because those are usually black and it has Microsoft Windows on it. And it's like eight gigabytes and for a long it's a usb3 one and it is unbelievably fast and it's been my windows install <laughs> usb thumb drive for like 10 years now your, your trusty companion yeah uh, i've got a i've got i've got one shaped like a 1080 that nvidia gave me at e3 for to put <laughs> destiny 2 4k footage on wow it's it's 60 it's 64 gig and usb3 which is nice but it's also a miniature 1080 so it's goddamn huge like it kind of doesn't fit in a lot of port scenarios i have um i have a one that a coffee company a place that made like this weird steampunk coffee brewer for for like cafes gave me that's carved out of wood wow i mean i think this the the stuff inside it is probably circuits and chips like everything else but the circuit the circuits are probably not made out of wood i don't think they're made out of wood if i had to guess what do you do to get rid of them like I've got this pile that I just want to I've, I've got a ton of e-waste. I've got a whole bag of e-waste that needs to go. Yeah. And I was thinking about sitting there just going using disk part and just going through and zeroing them all out. Huh? Or do you think I should maybe eradicate them in a more mechanical fashion? So so I've got this drawer. Mm-hmm. That's where mine go. I don't know that that's a permanent solution. As we have just established, they never stop accumulating. So, well, they do. It turns out if you stop working in the games press or the tech press, then you stop getting them all the time. People just give you a website now. You get a Dropbox link or something. I guess that is true. The thing I was thinking is I have this desk with the kindergarten stuff on it. Uh, It's like a kindergarten desk. So there's drawers on each side. So the side that's facing me has three drawers, but the side that's facing the wall also has three more drawers. What? Yeah. So what I was thinking is I just pull the desk out from the wall enough that I can open the drawer <laughs> and then I'm going to e-waste recycle that's, them into one of those drawers that's like the, and then push it back up against the wall. Problem solved. It's like the computer equivalent of throwing them into the Hudson River. It's like they will never be seen again. No one will know. That's way less bad than throwing them in the, like the Hudson River. They're going to leach heavy metals out into the water in my drawer. They're not going to hurt anybody. They're just back there accumulating value. Those USB sticks are going to sleep with the fishes. Well, or the drawers. Welcome to Brad and Will Made a Tech Pod. I'm Will. I'm Brad. Hi. 
Brad, Hi. how you doing? Hey, what's up? Hi. Sorry. Sorry. I, I've been... I, okay, so we, we have a lot to get through today. There's a lot to go on here, but I just got... I, 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 I have... I use Teams at my new job. Okay. Teams is not great, but also it's not you can as bad say as it. I was expecting. You can say it. It's bad. Uh, you know what? There's a couple of things that Teams does really, really well. And then there's also some stuff that Teams is an absolute holy living nightmare for. Uh, and, you know, like the thing that Teams does is like the thing that Office does that Outlook did. Remember when you first got Outlook at work and all of a sudden everybody started booking meetings with everybody else because mm. it was really easy to book meetings? Yeah. So the thing that Teams does is it gets rid of all of the internal communication via email. Huh. And it dumps it into like shared chat rooms, which if you set it up right are based on task and make a lot of sense. Okay. And in that regard, it's really nice. And like you can drop in and drop out of meetings pretty easily and stuff like that. So like if somebody wants feedback on something, you can put together an impromptu group incredibly quickly. Okay. I thought I thought Teams was just a Slack competitor. It sounds like there's actually a little bit of a different focus it's, organi organizationally. It's a little bit like I mean, it has the Slack, it has the chat component, but then it right. also has like a base camp or Trello or Jira type. Okay. Like, there's like a message board component too for like storing the findings from the chats and the calls. And it's all in one place. And then it also has your calendar. And the downside is that now when I get an Outlook invite, it also pops up a Teams invite. So I get double notifications. So hey, I, just, I just want to make sure you know you are not going to miss that meeting. Yeah, no, no, it's it's so anyway, I just got a notification and it popped up right over your face, which was I awkward. see. OK, so I thought I thought that was just a pregnant pause after the intro. You're just like, oh, let's do a little bit here. A hundred percent intentional. But you know what else was a hundred percent intentional this week? What's that? When I got a call last Friday morning from one of our friends at NVIDIA and they were like, hey, we're sending you a new video card. Check your front porch. It'll be there in like an hour. Dude, you can't say that in public. People are going to. What? You, you were going to be pilloried. People are going to show okay. up at your house with torches and pitchforks. I mean, never say you got a new video card. Oh, OK, fair. Video cards in 2021 and 2020. Pretty hard to come by. It's a somewhat fraught subject, but you have tested. I have tested a 3080 Ti. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. A 3080 Ti, an NVIDIA GeForce I'm, RTX 3080 Ti. Excuse me. 30 a Ti. A 3080 Ti. Call it Ti. I, I, I understand that was a revelation this week. That perhaps the actual pronunciation is Ti. We always called it Ti at Maximum PC. Yes, every, everyone I have ever known has always said Ti. I think they changed the... Look, pronunciation doesn't matter. I mean, I, I've run the benchmarks. I haven't run a massive number of benchmarks, but I compared it to the 3080 uh, and then, uh, so NVIDIA is doing this thing and it's been a long time since I had like mul multiple generations of video cards in for review. Um, they're comparing it to the 2080 TI, which is actually probably makes more sense from a like consumer perspective than comparing it to the now one year old 3080 line of cards. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's how they've always done. I mean, I went back and looked at the 3080 literature last October and they November, compared it to but, 2080s and they 20, compared it to the vanilla 2080. Then, I think that's kind of how they've always done it is generation over generation. I thought they compared it to the super, but maybe not. 
Um, but I mean, the point is, you know, don't upgrade your video card every year. That would I'm, be foolish because they're very uh, expensive. I'm going to guess they're going to compare it to whatever makes it appear most favorable. Look, that is always <laughs> the, look the bars. You got to make the bars look long no matter how, how, however you do it. Like if you if you zero it out at 60 frames a second, they don't do that anymore. Hey, the, data data doesn't lie. It's just, you know, a matter of which data you decide to pick. Well, OK, so here's the data on this um, in the, the upshot on the card is that they've made the they've given more memory bandwidth, um, like a fairly significant upgrade to memory bandwidth. Is it the um, same kind of memory? Do you know? Yeah, it's GDDR6 on everything. Uh, 6X? 6X. I think the 3080 has. I, I, maybe I shouldn't split hairs about this. We're not maybe in the position to distinguish. That is a fair assessment of the situation at eight <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Um, um, so I think the X has to do with esoterica about how the memory works it's not just okay the takeaway on what gdr6x is and we can do an episode about this in the future if people want if people are curious we will we will break down the differences yeah gra- uh, graphics graphics memory has always been kind of a black box to me so actually that i think well, there's there's like there's like throughput versus latency differences from system memory and stuff well that- yeah and there's there's also like sometimes esoterica and like how the memory is zeroed out and cleared and what has to happen and stuff like that so like it's it's a weird it's a weird situation. Um, the thing you need to know as a person who is interested in video cards for your PC is that this has a lot of memory compared to a 3080 or a 2080 Ti. So yes. on 3080, they did compare to the, the 2080 Super, not the 2080 straight. Okay. So, okay. Um, but well, I think, I think that, it, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, well, I was gonna say, I think that they canonically feel like the 2080 Super is the 2080, not the 2080 Ti or the 2080 Vanilla. Anyway. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Okay, so this the new card has twelve gigabytes of GDDR six X. Okay, that is the, the old same card as had ten gigabytes of GDDR six X. Yeah, so it's so like not, two gigs not more. Big, not a big difference there. Look, realistically, unless you're doing video editing or compute stuff, twelve, ten, twelve, eight, probably you're fine. Like yeah. you, you, it's if you're running at higher than four K resolution, you maybe need more video memory. But it seems like video memory is not. The, the, I, I don't remember looking at task manager at any point in the last like three years and seeing my video memory was near full. Yeah. Is that, is, is resolution the thing that video memory requirements scales with most directly? Just bumping the resolution is what makes you need more. It's mm-hmm. not like, not, not a fail like shaders and, and other post-processing. It's uh, assets it? too. Cause the assets okay. live in video memory too. Sure, so like sure. all of your meshes and all of your textures and all that stuff lives in video memory. Sure. Sure. But it comes in and out off the PCI Express bus at incredibly high speeds. Yeah, so. And also that the assets are a case where they have to accommodate the whole market. So they're probably not ever going to push the high end cards there. Th- that's that's like by the time it 10 gigabytes of memory matters, the kind of people who are buying 3080 TIs today are probably going to have a new card. Probably buying a 5080 at that point or something. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, OK, so the, there's two main changes. One is that they decreased the memory clocks. A little bit from the 3080 so but, but widened the bus but widened the bus so the 3080 runs at 9500 megahertz the sorry the gpu boost clock is what went down not the memory memory clock the memory clock is exactly the same but they widened the bus so it is way faster in memory so it went from a 320 bit bus to a 384 bit bus which means that each cycle 64 additional bu- bits are transferred um which adds up quickly it ends up being like a i don't know like a whatever 300 divided by six is uh boost 
I might, I, sorry, I didn't open my spreadsheet. I have to, I don't have <laughs> enough windows open here right now. That's fair. Um, the other thing that changes the number of shader cores. So like, these are the compute cores. These are the things that do, uh, machine learning acceleration. These are things that help DLSS work in some cases. And these are things that do shader program, run shader programs in games for the most part. So are those, those cores, the same thing that you'll see a lot of people refer to as SMs. SMs. Yes. Okay. Like that terminology seems to change too much between, it, between outlets. I don't like it. I think it bumps I think it, around from NVIDIA to AMD. They call them different things. Okay. Ba- basically this is the, like, this is the stuff that lives outside of the raster pipeline that does cool math on the right, video card. Right. That's where the, yeah, that's where this is where the magic happens. You might say, I think, I think SM, I think means streaming multiprocessor, S- streaming multiprocessor is on that, uh, NVIDIA, I believe. Yes. Is that is what they used to call stream units way back when? No. So they, or, but you're thinking about a shader cores, which shader was cores. just, <laughs> a, which was a subset of the okay. stream Sh- multiprocessors. Shader, shader cores live within SMs or I, stream. Pro- yes. Man, I think so. I don't know. It's it's the video cards have gotten really complicated. They really have. Also, um, also considering there are four to five digits worth of these now on your average die. Uh, well, so the the multiprocessors are units that have a lot of chunks in them, and so they've gone from sixty eight to eighty on on this. Right. But the CUDA core number has exploded in this at the same ratio from eighty seven hundred. Oh, I'm sorry. To it was, it was ten thousand. It was the CUDA cores I was, was thinking the, of that are in four to five digit range. The, yeah, the CUDA cores are their compute cores. So that's right. like their general purpose compute. Yes. Thought I heard somebody sawing in my background. It happens. Um, Okay, so and that means that you get an increase in tensor cores, you get an entry an increase in in ray tracing cores. All the stuff. So tensor cores are what make DLSS work and all the machine learning acceleration. Right. RT cores are what make ray tracing work. I think so. I, I, th- I want to say they just basically brought that number more or less in line with the 3090, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty close. Same ballpark. Is it just so, a cut down 3090 die or is it like the, the ones that bend lower? So my guess, TIs? my guess is that this is precisely that. This is the 3090 dies that bend low and they couldn't get up to 3090 speeds. Or they're having trouble getting the memory to make 3090 boards or the supply for 30, the demand for 3090 boards is down. Now, there's a larger conversation about the availability of video cards in 2021 that we need to have, because right now, like 1060s are selling for three times their MSRP on eBay because video cards are so hard to find. Yes. Um, Basically, the only way to get a video card at retail is to buy it as part of a PC right now from an OEM mm. that has one or like and run a or, or like someone on our discord did write a custom script to check inventory every 15 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> until <laughs> until you get lucky. I have a couple of friends that went to one of the best buys that had that got an allotment of the 3080 TIs uh, on Wednesday, I guess, Thursday morning. And they said that there were all of them were allocated by seven o'clock the night before by people who are waiting in line. So um, it's 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 a it's dark times out there. It's rough. So so like in a normal world, what I would say about this video card is that it splits the difference between the 3080 and the 3090. And probably you're better off with with the 3080 than either of these because it's way like the price bump from seven hundred dollars to twelve hundred dollars is substantial. That's yeah. Well, yes, go go on. But I feel like that's the real discussion point here. Is where I'm, the price landed. I mean, I'm. I want to make sure it's a four hundred dollar difference, and the let's see the thirty the thirty eighty MSRP is. Is it? It was six ninety nine at launch. I don't know if that's still the case. I, I think it's six ninety nine, and the MSRP for this is is eleven ninety nine. Okay. So twelve hundred dollars versus seven hundred dollars. So it's a four hundred dollar price difference. Yeah. 
the um that's a little harsh for the what you're getting i think well i mean i was gonna say the 3090 price is 1500 yes, I think? yes 1500 yes 1400 1499 so it's like it's like we're talking about 300 dollars, 200 dollars, 300 dollars difference between the 3080 ti and the and the 3090 so it's it's basically it's basically practically the same card with half the memory yeah, but the memory doesn't matter for the 30. Oh, I know that. I know. So like oh, compared to the 3090, it's like kind of a reasonable price. But compared to the speed bump over the 3080, that's a lot. Th- that's that's a lot. That's now, a lot. Now, in the normal world, that is all. I, that's where I would stop. But in a world where basically people are gambling every day on Newegg to try to buy video cards and the eBay markup on everything is two to three times for, for high end stuff, especially uh, your it's a different situation. So. Like right now, if you have an old card and you need a new video card, I think this is like it's better to buy this than a 3080. Uh, like if you can get anything at retail price, you should buy what you can get at retail yes. price. Buy, buy what you can get. <laughs> it's about the beginning and the end of the story. Um, n- now, OK, so on the supply front, I asked NVIDIA questions about supply because, you know, the the Internet seems to feel like miners are the problem of, uh, you know, cryptocurrency miners. Uh, this is one of the uh, hash rate limited cards. So all new 3080s, 3070s, and 3080 Ti's, it doesn't affect the 3090, are hash rate limited, which means that when they detect you're doing math that looks like Ethereum mining, then they they cut the, the hash rate in half. Yeah. Uh, I, we should, I, I tested it. Yeah. It was the first thing I tested. I was really curious really? to see how it worked. Okay. Um, did you already, do you already have an Ethereum mining pipeline set up? I had to learn how to do all that stuff. Uh, the, I was using Phoenix miner, which is a popular mining app. Uh, I was getting like 85, 90 hash mega mega hashes per second on the 3080. When I put the 3080 TI in, it spikes up immediately to like a hundred, hundred and hundred and five. And then about 30 seconds later, it drops to 50. Wow. Okay. So, oh, that's, huh. I, I thought it would, I would have thought it would be limited more than that. Well, so you go from, you go from, uh, uh, like 3080 TI numbers to like 2060 numbers. Right. I, mean, I guess that's good enough. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it as makes long as sense. You're, you're making it not desirable to buy the expensive card over the old cards. You're probably good. Exactly. The, so the, the thing to know is that these boards, all the, the hash rate limited boards are marked, um, when you buy them, like the, the, box. the box makes it clear that you're buying one of those. So that if you are trying, if you're an enthusiast and you would like to, to be in the, in the crypto game, uh, then you still can buy the cards that don't have that marking basically. Assuming you can find one. Assuming you can find one. So we should take a step back real quick and mention that the, it sounds like the vanilla 3070 and 3080 are not coming out of the product line. They are going to keep making those. Yeah. So these are, these are, these are the equivalents of the supers. These are new cards that are coming in. Uh, sorry, I mean this is the where the TI always lands. Apparently, I didn't, or it has in recent times. Oh. Uh, it's not a replacement for the original. It's the it's a it's a mid. It's another SKU that fits in the spectrum of price between seven hundred dollars and right. and fourteen hundred dollars. So, so, so that so that sweet spot of the thirty eighty for performance to price is still available. It's not like it's not like you have to go to the TI if if. You know. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I think 3080 is a fine card for especially if you're playing it at 1080 or 1440p. If you're playing at 4K, the bigger cards, probably the TI, you may you're going to see a difference. So yeah. it's not a like, huge difference, though, from the numbers I've seen. I mean, well, we're talking at 4K, it spikes up a little bit more. But but yeah, like like you're looking at 
t- you know, t- less than 10% on most stuff. Yeah. Uh, the, ra- the one exception is Metro, uh, Metro enhanced, which, <clears throat> but, but okay. So there's, there's a couple of weird things. If you use DLSS kind of performance stops mattering in a weird way, mm-hmm. because like I can get playable frame rates at 4k and Metro enhanced with DLSS on, on the 3080, no problem. Yeah. Like 50, 55, 60 frames a second average, even in the benchmark through through and through what I played. Uh, in raster stuff, the memory bandwidth helps a ton. So like I did see a pretty good bump in things like PUBG and and like no no re, no ray tracing traditional raster pipelines. Uh, so that was that was exciting, I guess. The if you're choosing, if you are in, if you are in some blessed situation where you can sit and say, okay, I have a 3090, I have a 3080, I have a 3080 Ti board in my in my card here. I gotta choose which one to buy. And you play video games. I think the 3080 Ti is is the clear. Like if the extra 400 bucks, if you're like four, I have 400 bucks. I don't care. Let's go. It's it's faster than it's the fastest like video gaming card that you can get sure, right now. Sure, sure. I mean, it is kind of a premium for that slight speed bump, but in a world where you kind of want the best thing you can get because you might not be able to get anything else for quite a while. Well, yeah. And, and also like, I, like I, I wouldn't feel bad if anybody who needs a video card right now, if you just buy whatever you can get, I wouldn't feel bad about it. You're not going to make a mistake here. 6,800 XT is a good card too. The AMD card is, is good too. So like there's, there's a lot of options and I don't think you're going to make a bad mistake at this price point. Yeah. Uh, they, they didn't, I didn't get one of the, uh, 3070 TIs out of, out of the box to test. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to try to get me one of those, uh, in the next week or two. The, so the other thing is, uh, we talked about supply. Review supplies are incredibly limited. They only handed them out to a handful of people this go round. Um, they're uh, uh, they don't feel like the mining. They feel like the mining is contributing to the to the to the demand, but they felt like the quarantine and everybody being at home, and also everybody having like unexpected bonus income and in forms of stimulus checks. If you were already working, has probably spiked. They didn't say that. I think that the stimulus checks have spiked supply. Um, a spike demand. I it, like it. It doesn't seem like this is all mining, co- or and shortages causing this problem. They're also seeing really, really, really high demand compared to normal. Is what it sounded like. Yeah. So. I mean, even on top of stimulus checks, people are just have been stuck at home. I guess that's changing slowly as we move forward. But people, yeah, have but been, like people have been stuck indoors wanting to play video games. Yeah, you didn't spend. Where, where'd you go on vacation last year, Brad? Uh, Skyrim. It's my living. Yes, my living room. Um. Okay, but now we should do the regular episode. Yeah. Let's talk about something besides video cards. The most exciting topic for 8 a.m. music for 8 a.m. in the morning. I don't even I I can't. Okay, can't ask me to compose music at this hour. Do 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 do. We we are talk about reinstalling Windows. (laughs) We're going to do a Windows reinstall a Palooza. That's what I named this Google Doc. I like a palooza. I like uh, to, you know, people don't tech palooza on the end. Oh, any enough anymore. You gotta, you gotta f- find your opportunities. You gotta mm-hmm. shoot your palooza shot where you shoot, can yeah. shoot, shoot. I don't think we're allowed to say that probably legally, but okay. Okay. Uh, Brad, why do we reinstall? Ah, uh, windows gets a little janky over time. Let's say, I think we, we, this came about because we're both long overdue at this point. I think like we were both long overdue for windows reinstalls and neither of us can afford to actually have the downtime necessary to pull that off yeah it doesn't take like 
I'm also bingo on storage. Like all my I'm full everywhere right now. I have I I need to buy a hard drive is the takeaway. Even your NAS? My NAS is pretty full, dude. Yikes. Yeah. Well, rough times over there. (laughs) It's it's look, the buckets, the buckets are sloshing when you walk. Um, Hey, guess what? I have bad news for you about hard drive availability as well. It's it's easy to find and they're cheap, right? Uh Uh-huh. That's why my hard drives are full, Brad. Who fucking who thought it was a good idea to come up with a cryptocurrency that relies on storage space? Oh, Christ, really? Oh, you didn't know about this? I heard about it, but I didn't think it was a real thing. Oh, it's hard drive prices spiked through the roof a couple weeks ago, and I don't know that they've come back down. Great. Yeah. Anyway, um, go on. Maybe I'll just use cloud storage. Um, the Okay, so in the old days, like in Windows 95, Windows 98, I remember installing like the, at the moment of any trouble, I would just be like, well, fuck it. Got to reinstall. Yep. So I'm going to take half the day here and just, you know. Oh, God, it took least, so long. At least it was on CD at that point. I had started to say load floppy disks in, but I never had. I think Windows 3.1 was my last floppy disk OS. I think my and Windows DOS, 95 DOS. was floppy disk. Maybe. Really? Yeah. No until kidding. I got OS R2 on a disk. No kidding. I don't remember. I, I might be I might be mistaken. Um, it was it was it took on a ritualistic quality for me. It was just like ah, about every six months, something is going to break badly enough that it's probably time. Yeah, like you would de- you would install a new video card driver. Your Creative Labs sound card driver would jack up the the replacement upgrade in place, and you'd have to reinstall everything. Um, it's less of an issue these days. Uh, I um, I also kind of wonder if the problem back then was data corruption because hmm. we were downloading stuff over modems, which had kind of a little bit dangerous error correction often, and uh, maybe the hardware was a little bit less reliable back then than it is now. Sure, and the software was less fault tolerant. Yeah, I mean, um, I, honestly, I remember just getting crashy being the biggest reason that I would reinstall. Like things would just, you know, you like the blue screen was a lot more common back then. Yeah, you saw a lot of blue screens in Windows ninety five and ninety eight and ME. Yeah. Yes. Um. So, like, I find in the Windows 7 and forward era, I reinstall a lot less frequently. Like, I, yeah. my, my Windows 7 install turned into a Windows 8 install, which turned into a Windows 10 install, which I think I just blew away last two years ago. Now, now that's just crazy. Well, I mean, that's like seven years. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. Wow. Are you serious? Probably. Dude. I mean, we, we probably covered some of this territory when we ranked the Windowses, but. Mm-hmm. I think I'm coming up on two years on this install, I think. And that's about my limit. That's about my tolerance for an install. Brad, it's funny you say you think uh, if you would like to know exactly. I would. How old your Windows install is. I was I'm looking to give for, you looking for that exact piece of information recently. Well, open up PowerShell. OK, can do. And type in this thing that I'm about to dump into your uh, into your chat. Okay. Fuck, somebody's doing Oh, I hear it. Oh, we gotta stop. Do we? I can't have a leaf blower in the background. Yeah, I even hear it over Jitsi, so Yeah, it's real bad. Holy crap. And we're back. We're back? We're back. We're back. You know what happened? What happened? I knew because there's been Things posted on my door for all week. I just didn't realize it was Friday. It's sewer lateral replacement day in my neighborhood. So oh. everybody's coming in and they're they're digging up the street because they're about to repave it. And they're digging up the street and they're putting new pipes in 
for the sewer laterals. Sewer lateral replacement Friday sounds like a wild yep. weekend waiting to happen. Look, man, this is this is just one of the another fabulous part of home ownership is that sometimes you're sitting at your front door and you get a piece of mail and you check your mail and you're like, oh, this seems like a scam. I'm going to throw it in your trash. And then all of your neighbors are like, hey, you're doing the sewer lateral replacement. And you're like, wait, what? That was that looked like a scam. Like, no, you got to do that every every one like every 40 years. You got to pay six thousand dollars to somebody to to trench your sewer lateral out from under the ground and reconnect it to the main sewer lines because it it's made of cast iron and it collapses or something. I don't know. Hey, don't don't let just anybody trench your sewer lateral. Okay. Look, there's roots. It's it's old. It could be made of clay. I don't know. It's it's a lot. But um, we were talking. Speaking of trenching things out, you're right. I would, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask who the hell runs a concrete saw at eight thirty in the morning, but let's just move on. Fucking monsters is who. <laughs> Don't they know people are trying to record podcasts in here? Decent people, decent hardworking Americans are recording podcasts. That's right. And your concrete, they were doing a jackhammer a little bit, so this hopefully this will go well. Okay, fingers crossed. We have yeah. to talk fast. Um, All right, you had a. Pretty exciting little PowerShell script for me. I have a PowerShell script that will let you open PowerShell. You type in uh-huh. a really complicated series of commands. Yes. Oh, yes. My favorite, get child item. Yeah, I'm, get, well, get, I'm well acquainted with it. Everybody loves child item. It lets or, you dig deep into the registry and pull out the key bits. Or it's, or it's, it's, it's friendly short abbreviation, GCI. GCI. I love GCI. So um, you can type this in and it will tell you all the updates that you've installed to Windows, major updates, like the half year updates. And the initial install date for your first install of this version of Windows. Oh, I didn't get that. I just ran it. It did tell me when I installed. So that's the important thing here. September 20th, 2019. So I'm not oh, wow. even I'm not even two years in on this install yet, and it's time for it to go. <laughs> I'm June 2, 2019. Okay. I thought I, I forgot. I bought a new SSD two years ago, an M2 one. And I must have done a clean install around that time because that's the time to like, Brad, I need a two terabyte SSD as my main drive. Do you really? How big is this? What do you have? A one terabyte SSD. Dude, what? That's not enough. I have a five twelve gigabyte and that seems fine. Well, I capture a lot of video. That's fair. That's what you have a NAS for. The NAS is full and the hard drives <laughs> are really freaking expensive, I man. Cannot, I cannot help you on that front. Yeah. What is subject for deletion on your NAS? There's got to be something that you don't need. Uh, well, I got rid of the Justice League. Okay. That was an easy cut. Probably a good call. I have replaced all of the 4K versions of movies with 1080p versions of movies. It's fine. Since I don't actually own a 4K TV. Yeah. And I was just ripping them for it's, fun. Hey, it's, you know, probably okay to downsize a little bit. The rest of it is like backups and photos and like, I mean, th- look, there are, I I have a lot of Blu-rays and I've ripped a lot of Blu-rays and I probably could have like, the next thing to do is to run them through a compression algorithm mechanism that moves them from H.264 to H.265 at a lower bit rate. Yes. I don't have the time or energy to figure that out right now. So this is a classic example of a problem that I would normally throw money at. Mm-hmm. And I'm not paying what hard drives cost right now to throw money at it. That's a wise choice. Yeah. Okay. So we're both running installs about two years old here. Let's say. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, two years old, like what makes you give up and like be like, you're, hey, yo, I'm going to reinstall Windows and take at least one day of major inconvenience and then like 
a couple of weeks of things being not quite right. Yeah, before God, you at least two weeks at this point. Um, it takes a lot for me because a I feel like modern Windows is like pretty resilient, right? Like, it, yeah, it doesn't get crufty quite like it used to back in the day. Well, it it used to, the thing that happens now isn't that. Like it used to be that the machine would get slow or things would start crashing or or like apps would be weird. Like File Explorer would take a really long time to load or something. That is literally the what got me to reinstall last time was that exact problem was. And I and I, I traced it down to I would watch Task Manager every time yeah. I refreshed the desktop or opened a File Explorer window. Uh, it was some antivirus process. It was some process related to Windows Defender would pop. I'm- and, I'm having that right now. And it would take like 20 seconds to enumerate a file explorer window because and and it would spike the CPU at 100 percent. Like it would do some intensive antivirus Ugh. scan every time I did anything with browsing files and I could not solve it to save my life. So I just formatted. So um, new boot drive always is good for me. Like if I get a new SSD or something, then I'll always just start from scratch and then copy the old SS like put one, put the new SSD in, install windows and then copy the stuff off of the C drive onto the new C drive and then pull the old SSD out. Even, uh, even on the forward. exact same configuration. Like just, if you're just swapping the drive, you're not the type to just image the old drive and slap it on the new drive. So I don't, this is a, here's a, here's a technology confession. UEFI stuff happened after I stopped paying attention to that, how windows works really closely. So like, with UEFI drives and booting off NB, NVMe and and like you have to boot off of NVMe, uh, you have to boot using an UEFI install to get like full advantage of your NVMe drives, right? Yeah. When that started, I I got I got in a real place where like you put the the USB thumb drive in and then some magic happens and then it boots fast. Yeah. And I never took the time to figure out how to image that stuff over because there's there's like keys and there's all sorts of things yes. that, that are involved. Yes. Um, and the one time I tried to do it, the tools weren't ready for it yet and they, it didn't work well at all. Like, I, I, yeah, I want to say this is related to UEFI, the, the, the transition from MBR master boot record yeah, to, that's to, to, to GPT, GPT, the, the GUID partition table. Which GPT predates UEFI, but you have, you can't do MBR with UEFI right, at all. Right. I mean, no, but you shouldn't have been doing UEFI, MBR for like 10 years at this right. point. That's what it is. But yes, like figuring out the tool chain with all that stuff is a little bit of a rabbit hole. I also, well, I also have not taken the time to fully understand all that stuff. And with the other thing is with UEFI, there's an integration with the BIOS where, or with, with the UEFI, the boot code on the machine. Right. Like it's not even called a BIOS anymore, right? Like I mean, we just, everybody calls it a BIOS. We're just using, always called it a BIOS. But. Right. It's just a legacy term at this point. Yeah. Um, so like my concern is I will copy something over. It'll work great for a little while. I'll get to the point that I can't revert easily. And then all of a sudden I realize I've made some sort of tragic fuck up that's going to require me to wipe the drive and reinstall again. But then I won't have the benefit of having the second drive around or, or I'll use it for something else by that point or whatever. And it'll be much, much more of a pain in the ass to do the transition. So yeah, I am with you. Yeah, I, I do. I, if I'm going to do a clean install, I do a clean install. Um, Anxiety also makes me do clean installs sometimes. Like if I get to a point, like if I, if I do a driver upgrade or something and the driver upgrade fails a few times <laughs> yes. for no reason, I'll be like, <sighs> I, I, dude, I, I would give anything to be one of those people who are just like, you know, if it's working, who cares? It's fine. Like, it's probably fine. Nope. If it, if it works, it's fine. But no, even if it works, I still don't think it's fine. So my, my last windows install, the time on it, it was seven, uh, July 2nd. 2019 but it was at 2 a.m and i can almost guarantee you that that sequence of events was 
something went a little bit wrong. I started working on fixing it. I realized it wasn't going to be an easy fix. I worked on it a little bit more. I did some uninstalls. I edited some registry bullshit. I deleted some files manually. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm burning the whole thing down. <laughs> You've really got to know when to cut your losses. Yeah. Like if it's I, I. I guarantee you that there was a moment at 10 p.m. that night that I could have just cut my losses and walked away and been fine. But no, 2 a.m. You got in too install. deep. You got in too deep. Um, What else? Uh. Yeah, it's, uh, we'll post the PowerShell, the link to the PowerShell article. It's on nextofwindows.com. It was a really interesting article about how yeah. power, uh, PowerShell and pulling stuff from the registry. I, had, I don't use PowerShell enough, I think. It, it's pretty neat. It does some cool stuff. You can pipe. I mean, you're familiar with Unix pipes? Yeah, you a little pipe. pipe, pipe yeah, the vertical pipe, column. Pipe the, yeah, the, the text, like an audio, just a raw kind of text stream from one program to another. Yeah. PowerShell can pipe like structured data objects in the same way. It's oh, really, wow. Like, like file system objects, you can like attributes of files or like you said registry values and stuff like that like they exist in some kind of structured format so huh. you can send those back and forth between different processes does, it's cool it's, it's, pretty, it's, it's a very abstract thing and you're not just sending like bulk text right it's like you have to kind of keep in your head what types of data you're sending around is it like json or xml or something like that or I don't is know it what, less I don't, abstract like you can query the I, i've only got limited experience with it but like okay. you can query the objects to see what they are i don't know how they're being stored internally but Wow. It's like like you can query like if you pipe like like a file like a directory like a, a files you can query like just the creation time on those files or just the size or just the parent directory you know stuff like that it's it's pretty neat. Does that anyway. mean you can pipe? I wonder if you can pipe a list of like a like a a, fl- a list of of file names in a note in a flat text file and replace all the files in the directory with those file names. Like rename the files in a batch way using a flat text file that was edited in a text editor. You should be able to absolutely do that. Yeah, that's fascinating. You can do all kinds of stuff. I I have um, I have downloaded. Basically, like, you know, Steam sells a lot of soundtracks these days. Yeah, love them. Like a lot of times they'll tag the MP3s properly, but not the lossless version. Like it'll just be a bunch of waves with no tagging. Okay, you know, no metadata or whatever. Like I've used PowerShell to loop through all the mp3s and pull all the metadata from those and compress the waves into flack and map that metadata per song huh uh all in one just one batch process it's fun um, i have i have i have curious interesting ideas of look, what's fun but I, I look i think it's weird that microsoft has three different shells in yeah, windows now because right. there's like the normal cmd yes the old school one right and then there's this PowerShell, and PowerShell. then there's like l- the Linux thing. Yeah, like also WSL two that like they they push the existence of a Bash shell in Windows pretty hard these days, which they should. You know, like it's a good way to bridge development with that world. Well, that's also but, that, like the Bash shell in OS ten is why OS ten development for web happened in totally, a lot of ways. Absolutely, right? like, like they are very late to the party on that stuff. I have seen, I have actually seen Windows engineers on Twitter in the last year or two talking all kinds of shit about CMT, <laughs> like. They flat out were like, yeah, we we had to make that for backwards compatibility with old batch files. Like nobody should be using cmd.exe at this point. I use cmd.exe all the time. And, and, and yet it hangs on. So do I. I, I like it. it makes me, okay. Anyway. Um, so, okay. Gotchas. We talked about the NVMe UEFI thing. It, the UEFI bit doesn't matter really in my experience if you're not on an NVMe drive. The, the SATA 6G drives aren't fast enough to make a difference. 
So if you're using a SATA cable to plug in your boot hard drive, your C drive, and this this only matters for C drives, then doing a UEFI install is going to give you like that iPad like it's not really iPad like, but you'll get a much faster boot time with an NVMe drive on a UEFI install than sure. you will with anything else on Windows. Um, you can tell if you have the uh, drive that works with that. You can look in the BIOS boot panel. And if it's working right, when you go to the boot list, it'll have like, depending on your motherboard, it'll say like UEFI Windows system image or something like that as your primary boot device. And that's what you want to boot off of. Right. Um, it only works with 64 bit windows, which I assume that anybody listening to this podcast is not running 32 bit windows unless they have some screwball $99 PC or something like that. Right. Can you even buy a 32 bit system in the yeah, stage? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of like the low end Atom stuff. Oh, from, really? Like it would probably be, I, you know, I don't know what current Atom is, but I know that Atom as recently as a couple of years ago is 32 bit stuff. Oh, wow. I would not have thought that. Um, and uh, it's like this was a real problem in the Windows 8 timeframe, but they've over the last six, however many years of Windows 10 we've had, this has kind of worked itself out. Like it's this is a much it used to be that you had to have a whole sequence of events set up right to make the 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 the, the creation tool to use the media creation tool. And you had to have the right kind of USB drive. If it didn't support certain stuff, it wasn't a certain size, whatever, it wouldn't work. Now you plug it in and it's like, it just, it works. And I believe it even throws appropriate errors if it's not going to work. So like we said before, like you can't take your wooden coffee maker, USB thumb drive to do this. Cause it's probably not big enough. Yes. But any eight gig thumb drive works for this more or less now. You know what? Nice USB sticks pretty cheap these days. It, you know what? I bought a whole bunch of those little tiny ones that are just like a nub that stick yes. out. When, so, when, uh, yes. I've got like half a dozen of those things, like the little Samsung fits. Uh-huh. I fucking hate them. Why? I can never find them because they, uh, they, they're they so small. They get lost immediately. It's like the size of your thumbnail or smaller. It's like this. It's basically like a port with a little tiny thing that sticks out about a sixteenth of an inch. Yeah. You can just barely grab. Anyway, Um. that's it. Um. Let's see. The other thing that people do we used to do a lot of how to reinstall windows and like freshen your your windows install time and maximum pc the other thing people do is they accidentally format the wrong drive when they're yes. setting up windows uh the easy way to avoid doing that is to just you know un like only plug in the drive you want to put windows on during the install process uh, it's a little bit more of a hassle with nvme drives and m2 drives that often the slots for those live underneath your video card or something yeah so uh yes you know so but it, it, especially if you're moving from one drive to another drive that's a similar size, like if you're moving from a SATA SSD to an NVMe SSD and they're both 512 gigs, for the love of God, just unplug that SATA SSD before yeah. you install Windows, before you make a tragic mistake. Those, those those drive identifiers in the installer are not the most explicit. Yeah, no, you're, um, you're usually like, okay, this one's 480 gig, uh, 480 gigabytes and this one's 492 gigabytes. What's which one is it? Um, both Samsung. What I do, I assume well, just about any board could do this at this point. I just go in and disable like the um, individual SATA ports in the BIOS rather than taking the computer parts, physically unplug stuff. That works if you're doing SATA. I don't know that you can turn off NVMe stuff in you the might, BIOS usually. You might be right. If you have multiple drives. I can't remember. I know you can't if you have PCI Express drives, but I don't know if you have M. I mean, if you have... Like the early NVMe drives that were PCI Express, full slot PCI Express drives, I know you couldn't turn off in the BIOS, in most BIOSes, uh, as always, like it's going to vary based on manufacturer and probably even board model. 
but I don't know that you can, I, I guess you can probably turn off M2 drives, but maybe, I don't know. I uh, just, you, you might have to pop them out. You're absolutely right. You shouldn't have to unplug the SATA drives. Yeah. Unless, unless you're in the BIOS and you can't tell which one is which because the that's BIOS fair. identifiers are thin. Yes, that's so, fair. That is also yeah. fair. I, so I disable all drives except the target install drive. But the reason I do it now is have you ever noticed that the installer is incredibly haphazard about spreading weird recovery partitions around all over the place? Yep. Like, It'll, it does the first one in order is where all that like it it when the windows installer makes like eight partitions or something yeah. now it's ridiculous and and if you have like i've had like three drives plugged in before and like you know half or more of those partitions ended up on the two other drives besides the, the c drive the system drive and it's like why would you not just put all of those on the same drive i don't know if that's fault tolerance or just bad design well so, and some of those are required to boot so right. If you then replace that drive with another one and don't image the drive over, then you can end up in a situation where you have to recover windows for taking out your F drive, yes. which is, which is it's, silly. It's, it's bad. It's the other argument for unplugging everything. Absolutely. Yes, for sure. Um, any, any other, like what are, what are the other ways you hose yourself doing this, Brad? You got any other, any other on that front? The big one for me here, and I guess this is kind of a big topic here is windows has become more reliant on the user directory, the home directory. Yeah in recent years. And so like that was never the case before I, before windows 10, even like, you know, windows seven had a home directory, but who fucking cared unless you had like photos in it or something. But these days backing up that home directory before I format and reinstall is like a, is, is maybe the most crucial thing that I do in that process. Cause I've, there's so much actual stuff of value in there now. Well, so it's in, it's, it's actually in two places too. Cause it's not just the C colon users slash your profile uh, and, and I usually get the whole profile, not just, not just like documents and desktop and all that. You really want, you really want the app data folder, which is typically hidden. Yes. Um, the problem, the problem is that the app data folder a is full of tiny files. So it takes forever to copy. Yeah. Just because tiny files take forever to copy B a lot of those files are like locked by the operating system and in use when you try to copy that folder. And so like you have to sit there and like cancel out of a bunch of things that it's not allowed to access. I wish there was a, I wish frankly, windows needs some kind of like profile export or well, something. So the backup, the backup process on windows will do this while windows is running. You can make an image that's just the seed. So if you delete all of like one of the, the, the other way to do this is to delete like all of your steam games. If you keep them on your C drive and everything that's big that you don't want to keep. So then you end up with like, 10 gigs plus your crap, right? 10 or 20 gigs for windows and like uninstall your Adobe apps, uninstall all the things you're not going to use, but leave their data behind. Then you make the image and you store that image, which is going to be, you know, it'll be, it's, it's not the size of the drive. It's the size of the data on the drive. And, and those images are just readable image. They're like VHDI image files. So you can open them in almost anything. Okay. Um, you can that, have, windows, I think. Do you have to image that externally? You can't do that from you can do it from inside Windows through some magic or I, I don't know how it works. Okay. Um it might it might reboot you to do the C drive, but the Windows has a built-in process for it and it just it works. It's the same tool that they've had since Windows 7. Okay. That's good um, to know. I'll I'll do that next time. Like I, I we'll get to this, I guess, but like I customize a ton of stuff these days, a bunch of little scripts to do different things that I want to automate. Uh, I have also embraced portable apps in a big way in the last few years. Oh, so you just leave like an app folder I've, on your desktop or something? I've, I have become that guy. Well, it's in my home folder. Okay. Like, if I can get a portable version of an app, wow. uh, I pretty much always do it because who wants to really, like, you don't have to reinstall the apps when you install Windows. You just drag that folder over. That's so really all, weird. All the settings for those apps live in the directory uh, with that's, those apps. That's 
Oh, uh, I was going to say the other place that stuff lives, speaking of settings, is in the C colon program data folder, which I think I don't know exactly what the program data folder is for. I think it's the ghost folder that does so that apps that try to write to program files end up writing there instead. OK, so like if they're set up in a way that they're writing to program files would normally prompt a UAC prompt, then they'll write to program data instead. But I'm not 100 percent on that. Wait, do you back that up too? I back that up too. Man, I should just start following your method of imaging the whole drive. That sounds way safer. Imaging the whole drive, it, it, you have to mess that up real bad. Yeah, to to cause yourself a problem. Sure. Um, and and, and honestly, with like, I was going to say with hard drive prices the way they are, but with hard drive prices the way they were before, bringing hard drive space based cryptocurrency became a thing. Uh, it it it's. You know, what's a what's a 512 megabyte, a gigabyte uh, backup file on your eight terabyte hard drive? Yeah. Um, so what do you like? I know you run a bunch of custom stuff, although I'm I'm intrigued by this portable. I never I always thought portable apps were for weirdos who run their stuff off thumb drives. I never <laughs> even considered putting them in my <laughs> in is, my home folder and just making little, that how I do lie. it. I'm not going to lie. I was a little reluctant to say that because you immediately sound like that, like ultra security conscious really? weirdo who's like actually yeah like totally like like none of my software or settings can ever touch a public computer or something like that i swear i swear i have nothing to hide yeah look actually when i plug into the library computer i boot a virtual machine and run entirely <laughs> within that off of the thumb drive which is then erased and nuked and pulled from my cloud account when i return to my home computer didn't, did not know that comic book store guy was so into unix but i guess it makes he's sense a, he's a unix guy man he's yeah, of course of course he is he's, with he's that ponytail He's got 16 hypervisors on his Threadripper 64 yes. core. Yes, that yes, that, <laughs> that ponytail and goatee combo can leave no doubt about his yeah. computer preferences. Look, um, he, he didn't just play Quake in 1996. He played Quake on Linux in yes, 1996. Yes, yes. Um, uh, the, the, it's really just ease of reinstalling stuff. Like, it's really just like the settings. Like I said, those, the settings are portable. So, you know. I get it. I get it. Like, it makes sense when you say right. it. I just was like, that's that's it never even in a million years. Anyway, it's just that it's honestly, it's just that much less stuff to reinstall. If you ever have to wipe your windows and, and start over, it's kind of a big time saver. But I mean, how often but we're literally we just had this conversation. We do this every two years. So why does it like this is one of those places where I usually look at it and I like balance the amount of like. OK, so when I was when I was reviewing video cards for Maximum PC and was changing cards out constantly and I like I would always keep an up to date system image. Like anytime I installed a new non video card driver, I would like I would roll back to the blank machine with no video card drivers at all installed, then install all the all the driver updates and big Windows patches and all that stuff and then make a new image and use that as the testbed image going forward. I don't do that. I mean, I review We do video cards occasionally here, but it's not like I'm reviewing 40 video cards a year like I did in 2007. So, you know, it's a like it's it's a how much it's it's like automating shit. It's the XKCD about automating. Like how much time is it going to take you to automate the thing and is it easier to just do it 20 times than to spend 15 hours figuring out how to automate it and usually it's easier to just fucking do it. Eh, that's that's always the trade-off. Yeah. Um so with that in mind, I usually try to keep Windows pretty stock. Like I don't install any weird shell stuff if I can help it. Like if there's options to not install shell extensions for like your Explorer, I usually do that. Like I I guess I let Nvidia install their Nvidia control panel thing and the Dropbox extensions extensions are pretty useful. But for the most part, like I don't even have 
I guess no. Well, I lied. Notepad plus plus has an extension. Adobe installed its nonsense. <laughs> OneDrive has installed its nonsense. There's a share with Skype button that I don't know why any sane person would ever want. Well, well, well. Oh, God, I'm the person. Input director has some stuff here. Look who stumbled backwards into some shell extensions. How do you get rid of shell extensions I without wiping and reinstalling? I don't I don't think you do. It sounds like it's time for a reinstall. Oh, no, Brad. I don't have time for that. Okay, uh, I, I don't mind right click shell extensions too much. They seem fairly unobtrusive. Well, they're fine until they hold up File Explorer from launching, and then you're like, "Shit, my computer's not working again." Yes. How do I fix this? That's that's fair. I am I am pretty wary of anything that integrates directly into the system UI. Uh, after after years of running like full shell replacements, oh god, you, no, you never like, that. You were like swapping system DLLs in from some third party source. And oh like, god, look, look, I really wanted my Windows XP install to look like OS 10. Okay. I remember when Windows 8 came out and and a bunch of companies were like, hey, we have a we have a we can make your Windows 8 look just like Windows 7. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know. It's just going to make it really unstable and janky. That, and is, that, that stuff still exists. Uh, I know. I forget. Stardock. Stardock was always big on that. Stardock was, yes, kind of the, the go to, I guess. There's like some open source stuff out there now. There's Windows Classic Shell, I want to say, is one of them. Can I make Windows? Can I make Windows 10 look like Windows 3.1? That's what I want. Now you're talking. I want uh, File Manager. Are we going to? I don't know how long we're going to go here. Are we going to get into the Sun Valley stuff at all before we go? I don't know what Sun or, Valley is. That's the so June 24th. They're doing a live stream for the future of Windows. I, I think we should like live stream that I, and I, watch I, it on my on Twitch or something. Like, I, together. I cannot. I cannot believe I'm sitting here thinking about talking over a Windows live stream. I, I would I, look. This is what I've been. My entire life has led to this moment. <laughs> We've just been building up to this. This was the end goal all along. Here's a place that I have endemic expertise that goes back 20 years. Uh, at a minimum, we should at least watch that and do an episode on it, I think. Yeah. I, like, it's it's unclear exactly how extensive it's going to be, but they are very like, I think Nadella himself commented that it was like, this is what's next for Windows. Like, yeah. He, yeah. You're seeing the term Windows 11 being thrown around as a rumor a little bit. Who knows if that's actually going to happen? Windows or not, next has also been been tossed around. Right. Um, I mean, it's interesting because when they pitched Windows 10 to us after the Windows 8 debacle, it was literally pitched as, yo, this is going to be the last version of Windows you're ever going to need. This is Windows as a service. This is what we're doing from now on. And it's not even been 10 years yet. So it's true. I mean, but a- Apple did announce that they're doing OS 11. Right. So, yeah, so they're, they're on OS 11 now. Like they're, they don't have number parity anymore. That's right. And it's, hey, this is. Hey, this remember. Is, Remember when they remember when the second Xbox was called the Xbox 360 because it was launching against the PlayStation 3? Look, I'm here. I'm going to tell you something. The next PlayStation is going to be the PlayStation 6. Mm. And Microsoft is going to come out with the Xbox One, Two or the Xbox Series S. No, they're going to call it the Xbox 720 because that's That's one better. (laughs) Dude, I bet Xbox 720 would fly off the shelves. That's just like hitting nostalgia in a really potent way. Look, if it had blades, day one purchase. Yeah, man. I instant. Okay. Anyway, uh, so ways you can make it reinstalling easier. Uh, oh, wait, we didn't talk about any of the weird stuff you install. You install a bunch oh, of good God. stuff. Do I? I think so. Well, a lot of it is weird. It's a lot of it serves my needs. Let's uh, say, for example, what do you want to know about? I have um, questions. I've gotten really big on automating stuff through the command line that you can then just throw into like group policy or task scheduler. All the, the, the eight different ways that you can make windows run things on a schedule. 
I would love like or on command the command line stuff that you've done to do monitor switching and resolution switching and all that stuff yes. is really interesting. Like so I want to be able one, to turn HDR on and off automatically. That sounds awesome. So that one came about through uh, our friend Nursoft. Oh, we love Nearsoft with 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 their banger, their hot number one banger. Control my monitor. I love control my monitor. <laughs> Which it has a it has a con- command line interface of its own that lets you basically anything that your monitor supports over. What is the monitor con- command standard? Um, D- 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 oh, D- that's D- different. DDR, D- Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> DDE, DDDCI, DCEI. God, I'm flooding this badly. I could. Look, uh, I could here, pull up while my you're monitor that up, I'm going to ask you a question that you can listen to kind of half-assed. And then I think that if, well, it's called Control My Monitor. Yes. I think if that was a song, if Control My Monitor was a song, it would be like some late 90s industrial, mm. maybe guy sung by a guy with a German accent that's yes. like, Control. Some like really freaky looking like white contact lenses and yeah, and he's wearing a trench coat. Control my yes. monitor, and then there's like a real heavy bass line and like Boy. some just thrash thrash That's, guitar in the background. We 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 have missed a calling. Sadly. Control <laughs> twenty five years ago. DDC CI is the standard I'm thinking of. Oh DDC, yeah, that one of course. DDC slash CI. It's a way to issue commands to monitors over basically the display cable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. This thing's awesome because it'll let you do just about anything your monitor supports from the command line, like changing, you know, display modes, changing inputs, like anything the monitor does. The problem is that the command interface uses like the serial numbers of the individual monitors you're using and the VCP codes, which are just random numbers. It's not the most usual. So you, you pull that stuff out of the registry or something? Um, no, you query your monitor. It's a GUI program <laughs> as well. Use, use the GUI Control. version. <laughs> Look, if you want to control your monitor, you got to work for it. Control your monitor. Trust me, I am. So you use the GUI version of the app to (laughs) query all the VCP codes that your monitor supports and kind of trial and error your way through figuring out what they do. Uh, And then I wrote a little PowerShell script to just like take those codes and convert them into something human readable. That sounds awesome. It's because the way my monitors are arranged, I can't even reach the controls because they're on the back of the monitor because these monitors are stupid as hell. Like, it's just a huge pain in the ass to manually change the inputs on these things. So, so you're saying you'd have to stand up? So, yes, basically. It's worse Ugh. than that. I have to, like, turn my arm into a pretzel to get up under and behind the monitor to reach the stupid little joystick they put that back there. No, thank um, you. So instead, I made a script called Monput for monitor input. <laughs> so I just I pull up PowerShell if I need to change the input. And it's just like Monput left HDMI 2 and it immediately switches monitor inputs like way faster. Wait, what? Than- you can do that? Yes, that's like I, that's way faster than it, like I've timed it. It's like 10 times faster than like reaching back there, navigating through the stupid joystick. Like you could put that on a shortcut if you wanted to. It's like it's it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So like I've got a zillion little things like that. that I, I need put, mod put. Brad. <laughs> I can send it to you. It's a very bad. It's a very clumsy PowerShell script. Control. <laughs> you'll have to swap the serial numbers. Uh, and yours will have different VCP codes. So you'll have to. That's fine. That. I can get I can get new PCP codes. You'll, you'll have to do some of that work um, yourself. But like I've got a bunch of little stuff like that that I've run at the command line now just to make things faster. You realize that we're going to have to do a whole episode about your. We're going to get oh a bunch God. of questions from people who are like, I want to know about all Brad's little scripts, dude. I could do a whole episode on why I need to set one power plan when the PC is at the login screen and have it set a different power plan once I've logged in. I one of the things that's weird about my setup is because I have an, uh, uh, the third output on my video card connected to a capture card on the second computer. 
when I turn on, when I have the stream computer on, I have three monitors. When I have the stream computer off, I have two monitors and it thinks it's completely different configuration either sure. way. Yes. So like, which one's the primary monitor? It's always swapping around like crazy and it, it's, it's maddening. That's infuriating. Oh, you know what? I've got a little script change. Which one is the primary monitor? Does it control your monitor? No, it's, this is a different, I think, I think it might also be Nursoft, but it's a different Nursoft oh, of course. utility. Okay. That one's called desk swap. I just open a prompt and type desk swap and it switches to the other monitor, moves the desktop and all the windows and everything over there. That sounds great. That sounds stuff. great. You can type faster than you can like reach and press buttons, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> like the menus are a night. I'm like, always. Oh, do I have the right one? No, it's that. No, 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 not that one. No. Yes. Ah! Yes. Yep. Yeah. Menus are bad. Typing um, is good. Okay. We, we are going way long here, but let's, uh, uh, ways to make reinstalling easier. Whenever we do this kind of, of thing, people always talk about Ninite, which is like the oldest, most uh, revered all-in-one app installer. And you basically go to this web page and you click a bunch of shit that you want to install, like Chrome and Firefox and I don't know, Norton Zoom, cryptocurrency miner Zoom, and Discord, Skype, iTunes, VLC, yeah. malware bytes. I'm just reading KeyPass, 7-Zip, like everything you can think of is on here. And this thing's been around forever. I feel like I saw this thing 15 years ago, N-I-N-I-T-E.com. We wrote about it at Maximum PC before I left Maximum PC. Absolutely. Okay. Um, people like I, it. I yeah, always they, am skeptical of stuff like that because I don't exactly understand how they make money. Yes, same. Um, my assumption is that like somewhere buried in one of those things is like a Yahoo toolbar that generates them money every time you use the toolbar or something. That is definitely a concern. Um, but like also you get that with everything you do now. So, you know, good luck. Um, this says this says Lockheed Martin uses it. Oh, well. And Harvard Business School if, and Pepsi. If the people that brought us the SR-71 Blackbird, if it's good <laughs> enough for them, it's sure. probably good enough for me. Uh, I mean, it does seem very convenient, but I, again, I don't know. Um, what, one of the, one of the things, it's not really a problem anymore because Windows has pretty much pretty good support for most network cards. Assuming you're not doing something unnatural, like, you know, connecting uh 10 giggy or 40 mm, giggy or something like true. that in your, in your house. Um, but I like to download all of, before I wipe anything, I always download all the current drivers so I'll get like GeForce Experience or the AMD driver utility, um, my network drivers, my chipset drivers, all of the motherboard stuff that I want. Um, I don't I never install all of the motherboard stuff because there's always some stuff like like I don't want the thing that lets me charge my phone at full speed from my PC's USB ports. That seems like a disaster waiting to happen. Um, but yeah, uh, all the current drivers, browsers, uh, audio drivers, keyboard stuff, all of that put it in a secondary folder on a folder on a secondary hard drive or on my thumb drive, a Dropbox, one password, password manager, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I pay, I always spend, I, I used to just do a spontaneous reinstall and I don't do that so much anymore because every time I've done it, it causes a problem. Like the time that a viewer had made me a custom palette stop swap skin for me to use in Spelunky. Hmm. And I forgot that it's backed up in the C colon slash program files drive. Oh, and then it was gone and forever. I didn't back that up because Aww. no user data is in there usually. So think about all the things that you use on the reg. Well, hey, that's, I mean, that's an argument for your image of the entire drive strategy. It is. It is. Um, like keyboard maps are important for that. Like if you have a, if you have a programmable keyboard, then think about where, like in what weird folder you save that shit. Cause it's never where you should put it. It's always like someplace that's convenient. The moment you want to reprogram how your keyboard works. 
Yep. Um, where where do you store? Yeah, like do you back? Do you have a do you have a Dropbox folder with all of your weird little scripts or something, Brad? Um, I probably should do that. They're in my home directory, so that so like no. I said, that whole thing. Well, no, that that whole thing gets backed up before I reinstall. So. <laughs> pretty like you know having all the portable apps in there having all the scripts in there like that you know it's everything you should put the, why don't you put that in dropbox and you have it everywhere so like i i love that microsoft has been embracing a lot more like open source sensibilities and like looking at the kind of unix model of the home directory should be the central repository of all your shit yeah agreed but i feel like but i feel like they're like getting it but not getting it or they're being the letter of the law but not the spirit you know because again like why is this giant app data folder in your home directory full of all this esoteric os stuff when like it should be a bunch of plain text setting files and things that are like easy to keep track of and move around and not stuff you don't know about like i feel like well, everything in your home directory you should be able to identify yourself i i mean i think that works in a world where windows applications have always been smart and good and didn't use a lot of binary data files yeah um but in the 21st century like there's a lot of cruft it's just a lot of legacy crap to account for i guess you're right i mean and like it's a lot better than it used to be like i i you know it does annoy me that like the default places that play, people put like crash dumps and stuff like that is usually in that folder because they like for example tsl games my pubg folder and i'm in the saved crashes let's see how big the crashes folder is in there i bet it's real big it's not even oh 3.98 gigabytes. That's not as big as I was expecting, but it's a pretty of crash of crash logs. That's kind crash. of a lot. Well, I mean, it's PUBG. It, it's not <clears throat> the most reliable. <laughs> um, yeah. So so like that kind of stuff is weird. I still think find it's worth saving because it's easier. It's one of those things. It's better to have than to not have uh, the other stuff. I always worry that I'm going to lose is stuff like putty. Like, well, I still use putty. I should switch to the, to the, um, to the uh, just normal SSH now, probably. Yes. It's built into windows. The new windows terminal is very good. I yeah. Can, I can attest. You don't even have to, um, <clears throat> excuse me. You don't even have to edit the JSON file manually to set up the configuration anymore. It has actual settings now. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, it's pretty neat. Um, but yeah, so I have all like my SSL keys and stuff like that stored in a folder in a dot file in my home directory and stuff like that. So, so yeah, I'll look for the home for, look for the dot files, I guess. The home directory actually matters now. Um, I have a, I have a question here. So under in our, in our column of ways to make reinstalling easier. Yes. Um, I had used clonezilla for some other random stuff recently and thought it was pretty neat. Yeah. And, and the idea occurred to me of like, why not do that perfect windows install and set up all the basics, like all the customizations that you like, but none of the crap, none of the stuff that's going to make it janky. And then just image that off because Clonezilla can image like the GPT stuff, like the, all the boot sector mm -hmm. stuff that needs to be there to actually make the drive bootable. Why not just do that once image that off. And then whenever you want a nice clean install, instead of going through all that process again, just re-image it onto the boot drive. Look, Brad, but, you, but you said there are reasons that's not a great idea. Yeah. So the it's it's the it's the time thing right so like you're going to spend like that makes a ton of sense if you are in a situation where you want to like wipe the machine every week right like if you're like at the end of the week i'm going to wipe all of last week's stuff away and i'm going to save all of my work in my home folder i'm going to mount that on another drive which is shockingly difficult to do in windows still um but like it, like if you could if you could say at install time, yes, I want my home drive to be on this SSD and I want Windows to live on this small SSD. And, you know, this is how this is going to work from now on. That would be fabulous and it would it would be great. But in reality, 
A, the BIOS, the bio, the UEFI stuff in the BIOS has to know exactly where on the drive and has to be able to speak to where the, the UEFI partition is on the on your drive infrastructure. And I think Clonezilla can handle that now from what they say, but I I haven't used it enough to feel confident in it. Um and you're gonna spend a lot of time doing that. And then the moment what's gonna happen is you're gonna a year from now, you're gonna be like, oh, I need to just let me do my clean install, right? And then do you know what the first thing you're going to have to do when you get the clean install up is? Set up all the other stuff. You're going to have to upgrade to Windows 21.h2. Right. You're going to have to install, upgrade every driver on the computer. I did consider that, that that's just you're just asking for like two years worth of security updates to install in a row. Yeah. So so it's like you you're losing the benefit of having a clean no driver install. Yeah. And all you're doing is like doing a bunch of work and then deferring doing a little bit of work to do a bunch of work again yeah so there is no perfect windows reinstall strategy i think is what we're arriving at i mean i'm i'm kind of thinking about maybe just doing the windows the problem is doing the windows clean start as somebody who doesn't use very many windows store applications and uses a buttload of other really custom stuff it doesn't really save me a lot you're right. I so let's, let's let me pull that up real fast. I forgot to write that in the notes here, but we definitely have to cover that. Yeah, like as of Windows 10, or did they even start doing it this was in Windows eight, 8 and maybe even seven? Right. They I think they used to call it Fresh Start. Yeah, it was called Fresh Start for a long time. Well, there's, uh, there's now, multiple tiers. There's the one that right. just like wipes the registry and starts from scratch, but leaves all your data on the hard drive. Yes, which is a real weird choice. I don't yes. think they do that one anymore. Uh, so so now it's called Reset This PC. It's in the Recovery tab of the update and security page of settings. So go go into settings, update and security, and then recovery. Reset this PC. If you hit get started, I have clicked it in the middle of this recording. I am now about two clicks away from wiping this PC. Don't do that, Brad. (laughs) Before we finish recording the show. Upload the file first, then press the button. Um, The two options are keep my files or remove everything. Keep my file seems good. Because my installs are getting a little janky, I almost went down this road a week or two ago. Because, yes, doesn't keep my files sound like, oh, it'll be like a fresh, clean install, except everything will still be there. But uh, it turns out it removes anything, like you said, that was not installed from the Windows Store, which in my in which in my case is about 99 percent of the software on this machine. But so does that mean it saves all your settings and stuff in your app data folder? I, I don't know. I that's a good question, but I don't think I'm brave enough to try it without a net. I, my I, understanding was that it saves the app data stuff. It just wipes the the program files folder, um, but everything in your home profile is safe. I think that might be the case. I, I mean, don't even know. If, even if that's true, I wonder how many of those applications could just recover gracefully with a new install and find all that stuff. I mean, the the fundamental problem though is that if it doesn't work out well, then you've done a bunch of time doing this thing, and yes. then you still have to do the clean install yeah, anyway. Yes. So why fucking bother? Totally, that's exactly where I came to. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take the extra half a day that this is going to require and just do it right. Because they're they're let's face it, there really is only one way to do it right, and that is format the drive. I think so too. Format the drive. Um, I know. I know it sounds old fashioned, but do you want to do you want to run down the stuff? I feel like. I mean, I feel like everybody's list of stuff you always reinstall is going to be different. But for me, it's like browser, password manager, cloud storage, like Dropbox or Box or OneDrive or whatever you use. Yeah. Um, uh, 7-Zip is crucial. 7-Zip is really good. Don't Uh, don't install the shell extensions. For 7-Zip? I don't install it. I try not to install the shell extensions for anything. I I hate shell extensions. I I use these 7-Zip shell extensions to 7-Zip the project for this podcast every single week. Yeah. Yuck. 
It works. I look, I'm sure it works great. I just don't want to punch. I don't want to, I don't want to see, I only want to see zipping when I want to zip, you know? Yeah, I guess. Um, that, that incidentally, that process is probably the number one reason I want a new CPU. <laughs> I, I have a lowly, fairly old quad core. It's I7. Time. You're due. Like I want a 5900X just so that seven zipping this podcast every week goes like three times faster. That's the main reason. I would hope it would go more than three times faster on the CPU. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, you're probably right. Um, I, Air, I love Air Server. What is that? Oh, Air Server is a is an AirPlay and Chromecast client for your PC. Oh, I was just looking for one of those things. Like, so, so, so you can AirPlay audio from your phone to your PC. So when I want to listen to like instead of having a podcast client that lives on my PC, I just connect my phone with AirPlay to the PC and hit the button and I listen to the podcast from oh, that phone. That's exactly what I want. I it's, use a I use a meditation app on iOS that sounds kind of shitty coming out of the phone speakers that would sound great. Coming yeah. out of these PC speakers. Yeah, it's freaking awesome. Air server? Air server. It costs like 15 bucks. It's worth every okay. penny. Okay. I have to look that up. Um, I install my cloud backup, um, Python, because I have a couple of Python scripts that do this similar stuff that you're like one that lets me connect my uh my MIDI controller to my mixer to control the sliders and stuff like that over the network and some other small things that I don't use that often. Oh, here's a this is a good time to ask this question. How do you feel about package managers? Because I feel like those have become more prominent on Pac-Mod? Windows. What's a package manager? Uh, well, like Chocolatey is probably the biggest one. It's not my favorite name for a thing. It's a little twee. I don't I but, don't know what that is. I've never used one of those. Well, you know, like on you know, oh, like, like Apt, PPM, like Apt, Apt and, and yeah, Debian yeah. and Linux or, or, you know, Yum. Yeah. In the in the Red Hat world or on um on FreeBSD, it's PKG package. Yeah, P- PP is the Python one, or PPM is the Python oh, one. Well, yeah, Python package manager. Right. Uh, That's what I one. use. Okay, there's another one there that's on the tip of my tongue, but um, like Windows package managers are becoming a thing. Like Chocolatey has been around for ages, wow. uh, and has like a pretty good repository. And then WinGet, did you see that Microsoft announced their own last year? No. Yes, Microsoft is working on its own package manager called WinGet. It's nice that fi- Microsoft finally got a win. That's exciting. <laughs> I mean, this is what I mean, you know, like with the home directory stuff, like they are at least looking at what goes on in the Unix world and trying to emulate it at it, varying levels of success. But it's really funny you said that. And then I went and looked at my my, win- my Windows home folder and it is full of files that start with dot and then a folder name, which is like the most I Unix ass Unix shit. I love that. It's cool. Yeah, that is that is that is that has become extremely my shit but um like i love package managers when they work like in windows like even chocolatey is a little janky sometimes but it's like it's the difference between going and hunting down an installer on a web page and finding it in your download folder and double clicking it and going through a process yeah or just popping a terminal and typing choco install blank can you get like nursoft stuff there uh that's a good question actually let me just see let's see if control my monitor is on uh uh, control. <laughs> um, we can never talk about the video game control again. Oh, also. dude, what is this? There appears to be a a meta application called Nur Launcher. What on Chocolatey? It's not loading. There it goes very slowly. Uh, let's see. Does this do exactly what it sounds like? Control oh your monitor, dude. Holy shit! Holy shit! Who made this? Is this by Nursoft? It's got to be. Is, this is literally a like meta package launcher of all the NERSOFT utilities in one utility. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> NER oh. launcher is a package of more than 180 portable freeware utilities for Windows, all of them developed by NERSOFT. I have to get this. We have to end this podcast. I have got to install this. So I have all the NERSOFT 
Brad, this is the most fitting end for this, this <laughs> podcast we can possibly do. I'm Hold very on. excited right now. What do you get rid of when you install? I always turn off Cortana immediately. Um, well, they made that a lot harder. You have to dig that out of the registry now, don't you? What? You can't just right click and say, yo, don't listen to me. After the last couple of major feature updates, yes, the it's it's a lot harder to you can hide Cortana, but you're not fully gutting it from the system like you used to. Oh, I, I don't care about I look, I don't need it to be fully gutted. I just want to not accidentally say something. Oh, yeah, that yeah. Sounds yes, like definitely, Cortana and have it wake up. I definitely like disable all of the UI for it as much as possible. Uh, um, I, I find the games that Microsoft installs with Windows to yeah. be offensive. Yes, going through the start menu and right click on installing all the crap, the yeah. candy crushes and stuff. Kind of a bummer. Um, I can't think of a lot else, though. Like a stock Windows install is not that offensive these days. Yeah, once unless, you get rid of the candy crushes of the world, it's fine. Unless it's there's fine. something I'm not thinking of. But uh, but again, I am I am quite looking forward to that June 24th stream. I really want to know what's going on there. I'm, Did you, I'm, have you seen these mock-ups of the Windows 10X UI over, overhaul? Those are look the thing. The thing I'm really worried about right now is there is a mock-up of a start menu or a taskbar floating around where uh -huh. all of the icons are in the middle of the taskbar. They emanate from the middle of the taskbar rather than That's, starting on. That seems fine. I don't know, man. I fear change. Those are always fake. Okay. As long I, as I can, I've never. I'm trying to think. Well, usually everybody knows what the UI looks like because they do pretty good pre-release stuff. And they do like they they dog food the alphas and stuff internally for a while. I'm sure. I'm sorry. They what? The alphas? They dog food them. They eat oh. their own dog food. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's an amazing term. We've talked about this before. For I don't sure. think so. Oh, really? I don't think so. That that that's my favorite thing I have learned today. Um, yeah. So they 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 do dog food builds and those always leak. Um, so then they stopped changing the UI for the pre-alpha builds. So my guess is that a very limited number of people know what major UX changes they're going to do okay. for this at this point. And everything we're seeing is is like people who are enthusiasts making things up, which is fine. I like that. I think it's a fun exercise. Hey, everybody's excited about Windows. I'm I am so stoked to like like I, I just want to know what's big and important enough that they're considering throwing out the, hey, we're doing Windows as a service. This is the last Windows you ever need. Yeah. Well, it could be an evolution of that. Like that, the, that, the, you know, that base could remain with some new stuff. I mean, look, the, like the best case for me is that they're saying, yo, we, we want to get rid of, like, we feel like the legacy infrastructure is holding us back. So Windows 10 is the one going forward for people who want legacy infrastructure. And then this one is like, let's go buck wild and make a modern ass windows that works for modern computers. And, but I mean, it could also be some server bullshit who knows? Like it could be anything. It sounds fairly consumer facing just from the way they've been presenting it. But what you just described, I think is the pie in the sky potential outcome is that you've seen some suggestions here and there of like a new model for windows where like all applications are virtualized and architecture. They're kind of independent of architecture. Isn't like that a, what they did on, on the Xbox one though? Um, they, of, they were running a hypervisor on there. That was the dream. I don't know that it panned out super well, but like, yeah. I think the idea here was like, like this would be a, basically a, a sandbox or each app would be sandboxed and virtualized. Yeah. Windows it's, is a hypervisor. Yes, and, exactly. Exactly. And at that point, all mm. of the apps run in, in windows API VMs and right. like, that sounds really good. And that, and that frees you of architecture restraints and stuff like that. Right. Well, to some degree. 
I mean, more than that, you end up with a robustness. The idea is that you get a robust, a more robust infrastructure so that like it's impossible at that point for, you know, a blue screen to come because of something an yes. app does, because the worst thing that happens is it's VM just reboots. Right. And right. and you end up also getting things like the Xbox, the things like the Xbox Series S and X do really well, where you get like state saving so that when you open Word, it opens exactly back where you started. It doesn't restart. And you have that stupid, like, here's how to use Word screen. Right. Um, so, yeah, like, I would love to never see the this Photoshop boot screen again. That would be amazing. Uh, on the other hand, you really want to leave the same instance of Photoshop running for months at a time. Well, I mean, you, can always, carefully. you can always force it to re- restart, right? You, choose, can always, you can always exit pick, it. Pick your poison here. <laughs> Well, I, I, but I'm just saying like the number, the amount of time I spend, it's like, it's like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Animal Crossing. I don't want to ever wait for Animal Crossing to launch again. It takes forever. If I could just have that start right where I left off, that would be dope. Don't bring Nintendo into this. We'll be here all day. Um, This is the part of the show where, as always, we thank our wonderful uh, TechPod patrons. Um, And, you know, everybody, whether you're at the $2 tier and you're just hanging on the Discord, which, by the way, really lovely conversations in the last month in the discord yeah. people are like we've got a, we've had a lot of new people come in um it's it's a constant it's general's always popping yes dude did you see the shocking expose on office chair rollerblade wheels yesterday no somebody found some crazy detailed blog where people bought a bunch of different rollerblade wheels off of amazon and busted them open and they're all like horribly designed and the the right to repair situation is terrible because everything's welded together and you can't do it yourself. Uh, We had some mechanical engineer types in the discord assessing the designs they were looking at. And it sounds like the rollerblade wheel situation is maybe not as rosy as you thought. Uh, My favorite was a couple of weeks ago after the car episode, when we were talking that people were talking about why the torque on a V eight or V six or V four engine changes over time and there was like a two hour long conversation in this this week's episode where people were creating pistons with with angled cams in the in cad and modeling the torque (laughs) at different different heights of the piston it was fascinating i i understand how that works so much better now than I did before. Sure. It's yeah. really good. Like it's you learn like, something awesome every day. I, I, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't make any bold claims here, but I think, I think that in terms of expertise per capita, I think our discord is up there. We, we, we I, I'm, I am, I am proud to be part of this community. So uh, we, we, we talked about it a little bit in the patron app the other day, but I have been fiddling a little bit with tone mapping HDR video to SDR uh-huh. manually, which is don't, don't do it. It's it hard. Yeah. It's very hard. But I went on there asking questions about that and immediately like two different people that work in like like video engineering color. uh, Hang on. Color timing specialists. Yeah. Like, uh, yes, yes. A professional film and TV colors immediately. Probably like, hey, I I do that stuff. I work with Dolby Vision and HDR 10 all the time. Like, what's up? Lutmaster 69 knows what's up. Yes. Um, They're the Lutmaster. It's it's a good time. Uh, so yeah, that that's um that's that's my pitch for signing up for the Patreon. If you can, you can find out more about it at patreon.com slash techpod. If you can't, tell a friend. That's yeah. what we love. Spread the word. Um and as always, thank you to our executive producer tier patrons, Andrew Slowski, the Bunny Fiend, Jacob Chapel, Joel Krauska, Twinkle Twinkie, David Allen, and James Kamick. Thank you all so much. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess that'll do it for us this week, Brad. Yep. Yeah. 
can't wait to go get this reinstall started. Reinstall Palooza. Here we go. Are you going to do it this weekend? Really? I don't know. I cannot afford I, the downtime right now. I don't know when I'm going to have time, but I, I think it'll be, be a while. I think I have to buy a new SSD so I can like have an emergency fallback if it takes too long. Oh, that's a good idea. Think about that. Yeah. You know, spend money to make money, Brad. That's how this works. Mm-hmm. Bye, everybody. See you all next week. Control. <laughs> Control your monitor.